Equality of educational opportunity has long been a stated goal of education in this province. The polka dot door, the polka dot door, let's peep through the polka dot door. Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome once again to Saturday Night at the Movies. My name is Elwi Yost. Today's special, shout it loud and clear, today's special. More than a quarter century ago, TVO had a bit of a conundrum. We were a provincial television station looking at issues through the prism of how those issues affected Ontarians. But Ontarians were from everywhere, all over the world. They cared about more than what just happened inside the boundaries of the province. Could a station called TV Ontario actually cover foreign affairs in a distinctive, relevant way? After all, we didn't have foreign bureaus all over the place and weren't exactly the BBC. As it turned out, the answer was a resounding yes. In fact, we had what I thought was the best regular recurring foreign affairs panel in the country. On this episode of TVO at 50, we're joined by someone who has brought and continues to bring her thoughtful analysis to our coverage for more than a quarter of a century. Well, I, you know, I was trying to think, Janice, you know, TVO is 50 years old this year. And, and am I right? Was your first experience with TVO in the early 1990s with Studio yes. 2. Yes. So that that means you've been a part of, you know, for more than years. half of TVO's life. That's No, no. 60% if I started with TVO in the early 1990s, it's almost, it will be almost 30 years, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah. it was Studio 2's foreign panel. That yes. was your first experience? Yes. And what made you want to participate in that? I thought it was just um, a wonderful opportunity. TVO, right from the beginning, did what no other network or program ever did. There was enough time for um, for a, for a real conversation. You didn't have to decide in advance what was the one point you were going to make and simplify everything almost beyond recognition. Hmm. So. The fact that we had 15 or 20 minutes uh, is a game changer if you're really trying to explain an issue and to make people aware that these issues are complex. They're, they're no quick and easy here. The second thing clearly was you uh, that we had. You were the hardest working <laughs> anchor people may not know that about people you. are going to think you i put you up to this janice and i, may, I did not <laughs> but you did not yeah. uh but i watched you over the years prepare you read every book um you do your homework sometimes at two o'clock in the morning the questions have to make sense to you and you're so well prepared that sometimes, no matter what your producers bring you, you will go with the flow of a conversation. You will go. Okay, I, I'm going to interrupt this now because it's it's even grossing me out how nice you're okay. being to me right now. So but, you're a big factor. And then we had <laughs> two other great panelists. Well, that's what I want to ask you about because I do remember. Now we're going back to 1992 now. Yeah. And I do, or no, not uh, Studio Two's first year was 94. 90. So we're going back. Yeah, we're going back to the early yeah. to mid 90s, and. And I remember we had a producer named Alex Sprinson who yeah. brought you and Richard Gwynn and Eric Margulies in for a kind of a test run just to see how well you three Almost. would get on with each other. It was more complicated than that. 
Remind he me. Brought, he brought more than the three of us. I think he brought um, seven, eight, nine. And it was an audition. <laughs> you had to audition? Yeah, that's right. We had to audition for no, the show. No, but you were in. I remember you were in. I'm sure you were in, and we were just trying to figure out who, who we could match with you. <laughs> well, uh, you maybe you're being kind here, but I remember auditioning for the show, okay, Steve? Hmm. Uh, which made a lot of sense. They wanted to see, um, first of all, if people are comfortable um, talking to viewers. And then I think the second issue was who is going to fit together with whom, where the spark's going to fly. Well, let me ask you about that because, uh, okay, after the auditions were over and it became clear that it was going to be you and Richard Gwynn from the Toronto Star, may he rest in peace, he just died so sadly, Uh, and Eric Margulies from the Toronto Sun, when you saw who you would be sparring with week after week, and let's remember, you three, we brought you back week after week after week after week, so, you know, you saw a lot of each other. Uh, What did. did you think? Well, what's so interesting, there were really... Um, sharp disagreements between me and Eric. And Richard was a swing voter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was. Uh, But I, you know, it was predictable that Eric and I were pretty well going to be on opposite sides of of most issues. But the fun part was what went on in the green room, which is where we all, you know, we came in for makeup and then we'd all sit in the green room waiting for the show. Um, These were the friendliest, warmest, most civil conversations. Whatever we disagreed about on air never spilled over um, into the personal relationships that we had. And I look back on that period, Steve, um, with great, great nostalgia. Now at how polarized we are, and you're polarized all the time. It's, it's very, very difficult uh, to have a conversation where you disagree with somebody and for that not to spill over when you mm-hmm. get off the camera. Mind um, you, having said that, did you ever get to the end of one of our broadcasts? And, and for much of that time, remember, we were live at 8 o'clock at night. So, that's right. you know, if, if things got a little squirrely, there was not an opportunity to sort of stop tape and edit it out and do all that stuff. It was live. Did you ever get off uh, the air and finish one of those conversations and think, boy, I'd really love to throttle Eric or I'd really love to throttle uh, oh, Richard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did, eh? Of course. I mean, I would get off and I would think, well, how could you say such an outrageous thing, right? <laughs> and he and, and Eric could come off and he'd say, Stein, um, you know, where did you get that garbage? <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. But then, as you remember, we would quite frequently go out for dinner. Oh, yeah. um, uh, with one or two of the senior producers on the show. We always stayed in touch. We knew if something was wrong in the other person's life, we were all paying attention. Um, it's, it's, almost, I, I, it's almost another world, Steve, frankly. Um, and I think we've lost something that mm. we're not able uh, to have these, frankly, friendships with people that we disagree with. We understood that we were there to represent diverse points of view. And it, it there was a magic there, Steve. There really was. Well, I can tell you for sure there was. And TVO liked you three so much together that I think about, gosh, I can't remember how many years in now, maybe three or four years in, we yeah. created a spinoff series just for you three 
called Diplomatic Immunity, where it was you three and yours truly hosting. And then we would bring a special guest in each week. And that became its own standalone half-hour show, in addition to your regular weekly appearance on Studio Two as well. So you're coming in for seven years, twice a week. What's the biggest international story tonight? The death of Zarqawi? The 17 Toronto arrests? Well, for a few billion people, it's neither of the above. The answer, coming up next on DI. Do you remember the most controversial episode of Diplomatic Immunity that we did? Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> um, we had one guest who was so infuriated, and I think it was by your question, Steve, or by Eric's. I can't no, remember. No, it was by Eric. I remember. It was, it was by Eric. He was going hammer and tongue with Eric. And That's I'm trying to, oh my gosh, I'm, was, I'm temporarily blanking on his name. He was an uh, international affairs professor at uh, York University. York University. It was Mark, right? And he got up, uh, and I was, kind of, I was really enjoying it. I was really enjoying the show because instead of me having to go <laughs> head to head, Mark was going head to head and he got up in the middle of the show and stormed off the set and said, I don't have to listen to stuff like this. Well, before he stormed off, he did something first though. He walked right up to Eric Margulies and <laughs> stood over him, like really invading his personal space. And he said, do you want to take this outside to the parking lot? Yes, that's right. You see, I was excluded from that. I was the woman. Nobody was going to do that to me on the show. That was strictly a guy thing. Um, and I, I was out of that. But I remember my just sitting there astonished, my jaw was dropping. And your face, I will never forget your face, Steve. Because that, that was probably, I think you said that was the only time that ever happened to you. Uh, it was the only time on that show, but it's not the only time a guest has walked off on me. So uh, it, that, that's happened a few times, actually. And, and and I remember saying to him, I remember saying, oh, come on, come on, please sit down and let's just, you know, have a reasonable conversation about this. It was about the war in the Balkans. That's and right. it was just getting incredibly uh, heated. And Eric and felt passionately about that. Yeah. Eric was absolutely, you know, that, absolutely right. He was, you know, I guess we should point out, even though his name is Eric Margulies, his mother was an Albanian Muslim woman. Yes. And he had very strong feelings about what was yes. going on in the Balkans at yes. that time. Yes. And and this guy, I remember he stormed off. And then he said, if you put that show on the air, I'll sue you. And so yes. the show never actually aired. Oh, so viewers never saw that. They never did. We ended oh, up, he left, he took off. And then you three stayed behind and we ended up having to tape a whole other show without him and that about the same subject. And that's what went on the air. Oh, and I, I remember that. I yeah. thought that it actually went on the air and viewers kind of got an inside look. Um, no, we're spilling the beans here for the first time on what actually happened. Oh, and, and of course, you know, to, to, to take it up a peg, that's what was really interesting. As you said, it was live TV. It wasn't scripted. You never knew what somebody else was really going to say. You didn't. I, we never knew the questions. People still, by the way, people still come up to me, Steve, and wish there was a diplomatic community today. Isn't that uh, funny? I get that too. Yeah, a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. And what they remember is that there was a, an authenticity to the show. There was no, you know, you had questions you didn't tell us before. Um, there was no script. Um, there was a lot of, there were dynamics that went on there, um, amongst the three of us. And I think what made that show 
um, so liked by viewers was they felt that they were in the living room with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, at participating in the conversation. Well, let me ask you this directly, Janice, because I do. I, I've had some funny questions about about you three, both on Studio Two and Diplomatic Immunity over the years. <laughs> One of the funny questions was, "When do you guys rehearse?" And I yeah. tried to tell people, "Of course, we don't rehearse. It's all spontaneous. They don't know the questions ahead of time." But yeah. the second question that I occasionally get asked, and I'll and I'll get you to speak to this, is. Did anybody from TVO, be it a producer, be it me, be it whoever, did anybody tell you guys what to say? Like, I know the answer is no, but some people wonder how much of this is coached. What's the answer? No, and not a chance, frankly. Exactly. Uh, so we we can say, honestly, to the viewers, you only have to know Eric and Richard and me <laughs> to know that if anybody had tried that, they would have failed anyway, and we might have done something like say on the air, well, one of the people working on this show suggested that I say this, but I don't believe that, so I'm not going to say it. There was mm. never once um, in the whole period of Studio Two and Diplomatic Immunity where anybody ever told me either what to say or even what not to say. Not well, one. it would have been pointless. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> it would have been. Now, having said that, I do want to visit a a particularly tense time uh, during the course of uh, you you three being together, and that was uh, in the early two thousands when President George W. Bush, uh, post nine eleven, invaded Iraq, right. and Eric Margulies was absolutely dead set against this invasion. He thought it was terrible policy and the wrong thing to yeah. do. Yeah. And and you and Richard were more sympathetic to the move, thinking that, we well, th- there's no connection to 9-11, but, but this guy, Saddam Hussein's a bad guy, and getting rid of him That's might right. not be such a bad idea. The I do remember, Janice, the conversations between you and Richard on one side and Eric on the other yeah. did get increasingly testy. Do you remember that, that they, way as well? They really did. And I think Eric came at it, as you said, um, with strong sympathies. Um, for the Muslim world and what it would mean inside the Muslim world. I think, I I can't speak for Richard, um, but I certainly can speak for myself that to me, the Middle East has suffered from many, many things. But one of the things it's suffered from bitterly are kleptomaniacal autocrats Mm. who repeated, and this is still an ongoing problem. It is still. And so, you know, who enrich themselves at the expense of the public. There's no accountability um, in the governments. And this is, this is a, a deep-seated pattern. There are many reasons why we, we could get into that argument, but it's undeniable that it's a pattern. And so I think, certainly where I was coming from, was this a chance to break out of that? Now, it's clear, in retrospect, it was, Eric was right that it was terrible policy but not for the reasons that he thought. Hmm. Um, it just, the incompetence of the Bush administration defied imagination. Uh, it frankly broke open Iraqi society in ways that none of us uh, imagined could be as bitter as it still is. Um, it destroyed the most important counterweight to Iran in the region, which hasn't served anybody well, not the Iranians and not the Arabs. So from a strategic perspective um, and from a hard-headed realist perspective, um, it was a disastrous decision. Mm. Uh, for those who still 
cold faint hope for better human rights and better forms of government. It was so tempting. Uh, and that's certainly where I came from. Right. Let's finish up on this because I have had people come up to me over the years and say, you know, the name of your station is TVO. It's TV Ontario. It's not TV World. Right. And they wondered, you know, I, I must admit, it's, it's not very many people, but some people will ask the question, why is a provincial television station covering so, international affairs at all? You How know, would you respond to that? I get that question all the time. And I think if that was ever a question that needed an answer, the world is providing the answer right now to everybody in Ontario. Um, every single life is on in Ontario has been changed in the last five months by a, by a pandemic that started in China, right? Mm -hmm. And things have seemed so remote. A governance system in China where local officials withheld information from the national government in Beijing, a testy relationship between the World Health Organization and China, an even worse relationship between the World Health Organization and President Trump in the United States. If you talked about those issues on a TVO program, you might have Ontario scratching their head and saying, what does this have to do with me? But it has everything to do with every Ontarian. Uh, we see that now, don't we? We sure see that. You know, I don't even have to, I, you know, I don't even have to make the point, right? It's so obvious. Mm. That voice belongs to Janice Stein, which our viewers uh, will well recognize. Former contributor to Studio 2, to Diplomatic Immunity, and thankfully still a contributor to the agenda on TVO. Janice, thanks for everything, and it's great to talk to you again. It's just great to talk to you, Steve. And take care and be well. And that's it for us. This episode of TVO at 50 was produced by Katie O'Connor and Matthew O'Mara. Editing by Donnie Swanson. Research help from Kate Petch, Carol Elder, and Elizabeth Carroll. Our production support coordinators are Jonathan Hallowell and Nikki Ashworth. We want you to share your TVO memories. What does TVO mean to you? Record yourself and email the audio to us using the address tvo at 50 at tvo.org. That's TVO at and the numbers five zero at tvo.org and we'll play these on future episodes next time on the podcast i know that you and i felt and you probably still feel strongly i know i do um, we believe deeply that if we left people with more questions than answers then we will have done our job right um, and and that is crucial and it was crucial right and i i think that that's something that's been lost uh, in a lot of contemporary journalism. I'm Steve Pakin. Bye-bye.